Hi, I'm Michael Azarad, Editor-in-Chief of the TalkHouse, and welcome to the TalkHouse Music Podcast. There's a whole bunch of ways to be an outsider in the world of rock and pop. One of them is to be of South Asian descent. There's MIA, whose family is from Sri Lanka, Nora Jones, whose father was from India, Tony Canal from No Doubt, also of Indian heritage, and then, after that, not so much. The acclaimed new singer-songwriter B. Beeman grew up in the U.S., but his parents came from Sri Lanka, the island nation off the southern coast of India. And when he was starting out as a musician, he looked up to Soundgarden lead guitarist Kim Thiel, whose family comes from India. Like any sensible person, B became a Soundgarden fan. And then, three years ago, Kim became a B. Beeman fan, when they both appeared on the same episode of the BBC TV show, Later with Jules Holland. B is a really personable fellow, and that comes through in the music on his new album, Rhythm and Reason, which brings an insightful, regular guy perspective on being something of an outsider. And Kim is not only one of the coolest people in rock, he's also one of the smartest. So we thought we'd put these two together, and have them talk about being not just South Asian Americans in rock music, but Americans in rock music, and tell some stories about their lives in music and just their lives. Here goes. Hey, this is B. Beeman and Kim Thiel. We're, uh, I'm saying that right? Thiel? Yep. Sorry, I didn't. Always seen it printed, never seen it said. But you pronounce it correctly. Yeah. This is B. Beeman and Kim Thiel. Uh, we're doing the Talk House in, at KX, KEXP here in Seattle. So what the hell were we talking about? Oh, I think we were, we're talking, talking about, about the Cubbies. Baseball and the Cubs and... C- talking baseball, DiMaggio, Ruth, and Gehrig. This might not be uh, musicians chatting with musicians. Just talking about baseball might not turn out so hot. It's part of, it's, <laughs> it's, it's part of what the musician spew- conversation <laughs> will end up being, which is the biography. A, a unique biographies both the the ethnic immigrant story and yeah. the uh growing up american story yeah oh well, thank you for the segue there because i was gonna ask you something <laughs> um i mean we are very american i would say we grew up uh very american lives but uh, our parents were our immigrants uh, right. south asian immigrants yes and um for me that played a specific role but not necessarily a musical role um in terms of upbringing and and influence americanization doesn't play oh no my parents right ethnicity doesn't necessarily play i was left to my own devices you know uh listening to classic rock and and whatnot um but i wanted to ask same same thing yeah i know your your mom was a music teacher yeah so it was going to be western she was into western music not not country western not not genre but you know as opposed to the indian uh scale which is what White music. Yeah. <laughs> well, the, the the she went to the she studied at the Royal Academy London, oh, wow. the Bombay School, piano. She graduated when she was eighteen, and then she ended up being an English teacher huh. and a school teacher in junior high. But starting out, she taught music at at various junior highs in our district, same district that I attended, mm-hmm. but ultimately was tenured as a English teacher. So there you go. That should suggest some anglophilia right there. The <laughs> fact that she taught English and and did the whole 
British music, classically trained thing. Yeah. So that was her orientation, but th- she had certainly a cultural sentiments toward Indian music. And yeah. I think when we had guests over, she'd put on some Ravi Shankar and light some incense, you know. <laughs> My dad just likes church music, you know, easy listening, because he was okay. in choir. Okay. And and was he a Christian? Yeah, both my both my folks were not not hardcore. I mean, growing up they were, right. but I mean, my dad's a is is oriented towards science. He's an engineer, mm-hmm. um, so they're very very much independent of that. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's strange. My grandmother speaks ten languages. My dad speaks right. English. <laughs> and my grandmother speaks, you know, Marathi, Urdu, Hindi. Right, you had to. Yeah, to really. live in your neighborhood or something, you know. That's how my grandfather was. He, but some of his siblings, speak various Indian languages, uh-huh. but my dad doesn't. Oh, is he the young one? No, oh. he's the <laughs> he's the second eldest. Uh-huh. Well, third eldest. So uh, it's weird to be the interviewer a little bit here. I'm usually the interviewee. No, I'm gonna interview you. Yeah, you will. We'll get there. We'll flip it. But right now, I'm doing this. So let me just do it, Kim. Uh, <laughs> Uh, so did you play piano? Your mom taught you some piano? No, we didn't have all? a piano in the house because we didn't, you know, I'm not entirely clear about that, but the initial thing that I, that's occurring to me is is they're living on a student budget mm-hmm. and they had a kid right. and they were, they were on a student visa and working and... Piano wasn't the first thing. And it's also difficult to, to haul around and to... And to as a piece of furniture, it occupies a lot of space in a basement apartment. Right. Um, they didn't really have the room for it or the ability to travel with it. Or... Mm-hmm. And then eventually, when we did have some sense of permanence, my dad was not oriented towards these kind of expenses, which is unfortunate because my mother would have loved to have a piano. Mm-hmm. And my dad, even though he was in choir as a kid, uh, just liked easy listening radio. It was just awful. He had a really awful like taste. Like Lawrence Welk? What are you talking about? Yeah, Lawrence <laughs> Welk. Yes, Mitch Miller. I mean, even at his young age, when I was like five or six or seven, I would whine and tear up when they put the TV on Lawrence Welk or Mitch Miller. I, 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 to my core, couldn't stand the music. It, it I would to... writhe around on the carpet going, when is it over? When is it over? I mean, I'd watch Wild Kingdom. I could watch cartoons. I could watch Hollywood Palace. I could watch Ed Sullivan, but no, make this stop. <laughs> you wanted to burn his pewter blue jacket. I, I had a pretty, pretty strong identity of what I liked at a young age, and it was not formed socially or parentally. I, I'd like to believe it's innate, but somehow I would hear Day Tripper on the radio, and I go crazy. Oh my God, that's the coolest thing in the world! And 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 is it then I'd hear Lawrence Welk. Can we turn it off? Stop it! Is it because you're a riffologist in the making? Is that uh, <laughs> Day Tripper is a, a a heavy riff? Must have. Oh know, yeah, I love the riff. That's exactly the same thing with like all the other Beatles things, like Paperback Writer right. and mm-hmm. Attack Man. I, I didn't know how to play, mm-hmm. and it's certainly not the music my parents listened to in their homes. Right. My neighbors mostly listened to you know. Uh, Jackson Five, Slide of Family Stone, yeah. uh, a lot, lot of R&B and soul, Motown. We were in yeah. Chicago. I guess on the radio you'd hear ridiculous pop in the, the 60s turtles. and 70s. Yes, <laughs> I loved Happy Together, um, but they also played in those days. They played a lot. A lot of country music was mm-hmm. in top 40. Okay, so you'd get country, you'd get some pop rock, you'd mm-hmm. get some soul and R&B. In Chicago, you had a lot of soul and Motown. Right. You know, I got a 
I, I have to uh, um, show a little bit of of regard for my dad's taste because he did listen to Johnny Cash and some mm-hmm. country stuff, you know. Oh, cool. um, so he listened to some pop things, but not much. Yeah. He thought the Beatles were all noise and couldn't understand why I'd jump <laughs> up and down in the car when it came on the radio. He'd go to turn the station like, oh, wow. <laughs> and I don't know where I learned it from because it wasn't the kids. It wasn't the it wasn't my family. I, I'm guessing it's just a natural response. Yeah, no, yeah, you had a response that a lot of people had. Do you remember walking into guitar stores or even... Because I'm older, department stores used to have music sections where you could walk in there and they have like electric keyboards, electric guitars, and they looked so cool because they were thinner, they were mm-hmm. there was a solidity to them, and you just stare at the bright colors. And I just daydream, that'd be cool. I wish I knew how to play that. <laughs> You'd see a band on TV and you think, wow, how did they do that? I bet I could do that someday. I don't know, maybe I can't. But it was just like a wish thing. You just walk in, you'd stare at a guitar, right. stare at some records, or you go to the sports section, look at an aluminum bat. Someday I'm going to get a aluminum right. bat. Totally. Oh, I can hit the ball farther. So <laughs> did you have that kind of experience, or were... With my guitar? Or were department stores a little bit different by then? Um, well, I, my first guitar was the Series 10, and you should never have heard of it because it's it terrible. No, it was an electric. It was so bad. It was like it was, the frets were all cut. Well, where'd you sharp. get it? Some store that was all right, but I just it was I didn't you know you don't know what the hell you're doing when you first pick up a guitar. You was you, it a music store? Oh yeah, it was a music store. Um, it and it, they had some cheap instruments. I'm sure they had some like nice Fenders and and Epiphones, Gibsons, and whatnot. But uh, out of my budget for a fledgling, you know, little kid, you know, tr- just trying it out. Um, How but I really, uh, I started playing when I was like seven. I probably got an electric when I was like nine or ten. So wait a minute, your parents were that cavalier toward how their child was raising himself <laughs> that they let him just stare at electric guitars. <laughs> I think my dad would kind of steer me away from that, and my mom would like turn me back around. I was like, no, let him look. I'm like, yeah, no, yeah, probably, probably a little bit of both. Um, but, uh, but the. Uh, did you have a scientist or doctor? My in your mom family? is a, an ER pediatrician. She's a gangster. <laughs> <laughs> she sees some, some yeah. serious shit. So why wouldn't she? It it was an extracurricular thing. It wasn't like it was just like violin or piano. But I didn't like violin or piano. I I was into doing the duck walk like Chuck Berry, and <laughs> that's all I wanted to do. And, there was uh, no hesitation with with your parents to prevent you know. Plenty. The youthful Americanization, you know. Plenty. Uh, but they're very ex- embracing of American culture. And, yeah. and so they're not afraid of it or something. You know, no. some, par- some people might be wary of their kids becoming too Western. And my folks were some, like, my folks were so yeah. Western, you know. Their, yeah. prim- their, their, their only language is English. Yeah. Um, and my, and, and my the, parents the music English, listened yeah. to is Western. Yeah, my parents were taught English growing up, right. so they knew it. And, and the U.S. was had an army base near there, and... They would pipe in. They had a radio it's station. Colombo? Uh, that's the, the capital. My parents are from a town called Jaffna. It's a very northern a tip. U.S. Army base there? Yeah. So uh, wow. back in the day, British too. I mean, and so they would get American, you know, American music. You know, Robin Williams was the, the the DJ. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I would have thought it'd be British, but I guess the British were pretty much kicked out in my parents' day. So I guess the sun never sets on the U.S. Empire, huh? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> They just keep chasing. 
And what did your dad do? My dad was a civil engineer. There you go. Yeah. Sons of engineers. Yeah. They were smart people. Yes. Um, which made it all too disappointing that I did. I, <laughs> I went in the path that I did. Yeah, that's why I asked the question earlier. It's They're like, not disappointed. I'm just, I'm just oh my, kidding. Oh, my God. My son's hair is long, and he's staring at electric guitars. What's going <laughs> to happen to him? It's because of you, Kim. He's I learned be t- it because of watching you. <laughs> he's going to be doing drugs and burglaries. <laughs> Again, I learned it from watching you. No, seriously, um, you were a huge influence on me. Seeing an uh, Indian-American man, fully grown man, playing rock and roll. <laughs> what was, is your age difference? Um, I'm 82, born in 82. I, I was born in 60. Okay, that's, bit of an age that's difference. a bigger difference than I would have guessed for yeah. some reason. I call you Uncle Kim. Okay. Chris told me to call you Uncle Kim. Yeah, and you were permitted. <laughs> <laughs> um, I am somewhat avuncular. Yeah. <laughs> Let's go see a game. <laughs> Want a beer? I bet it's your first. <laughs> I'm 12. <laughs> Don't tell your mom. It's just be our secret. It'll be okay with us, right? You're big enough. You can have a beer. <laughs> but yeah, no, you were, I mean, I'm not trying to lay it on too thick here. I, that's not my style, that's right. but that's, that's just cool. for this interview, it, 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 it was a big deal. Um, and when we met at Jules Holland in, in England, I was like, you guys were the headliners. I was like the tack on at the end. And I, when I found out that you guys were playing, I shit my pants basically. And then when I realized what the how you play that show, and everybody has to watch everybody. And you guys watched me; I watched you. Um, I was like, I got to go say hi. I got to go say like you guys are very important to me. I pl- when Super Unknown came out, that kept me playing and singing. That actually coincided with me injuring my hip really bad, swinging a baseball bat. Um, Injured your hip swinging a so bat. I, I broke a chipped bone in my hip, uh, my hip bone, swinging through a pitch. And it was just a freak accident. How it was strike one. It was strike one. My coach was such an asshole that he made me sit there and, and because he was such a competitive dude, it was just like an important tournament, I had to sit there and get struck out so that they, he didn't burn like an extra player. So <laughs> how, how did you hit your hip with the bat? or No, no. I just swung and it like a ligament popped it out. It was wow. weird. It was too, totally weird. Yeah. And I was like bedridden for quite some time. And um, Super Unknown came out and for like two years... That's like all I listen to. I know Chris's vocals, your guitar work was was a, a big big deal for me. I think you thank you, but I think you've I think you'd mentioned that before and I think we may have had a you know subsequent conversation about guitarists I know growing up that were hot shots at a young age and so many of them had a similar biographical anecdote. Oh, yeah. They were injured, laid up in traction. Mm-hmm. They get their guitar, or their sibling gives them a guitar mm-hmm. as, as a way to pass the time, and they just sit there figuring out S- Starship Trooper by Yes or some mm-hmm. Santana songs, and and then they end up being crazy. I mean, there's a guitarist in Chris's in his in his solo touring band, uh, a guy named Pete, I believe his name is. Mm. Never met him. Yeah, he's a. Similar thing. I think it was some accident. He was laid up in hospital in bed, just played guitar to pass the time and just mm. became. Uh, my story is similar. In My injury was um, uh, social. I, oh. I, I lacked a, 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 a healthy f- friend base <laughs> okay. to keep me occupied. So fortunately, I passed the time. I had a little bit of that guitar. too, yeah. <laughs> guitar, you're my only friend. Yes. 
and that's what it was <laughs> just hours and hours of playing guitar and uh and lots of reading so about that jules holland thing yeah. you know we got to watch each other's rehearsals yeah and we watched your rehearsal and then chris <laughs> comes over to me and says hey that dude that dude what guy he goes that b guy you just play guitar goes, yeah he goes, he's really cool. And I go, oh, yeah, it's it's pretty cool. It's, you know, folk music and stuff. He goes, no, no, I mean, the way you play, the way he, you know, watch, he's a really good guitar player. I was listening to his voice, which, which it's weird because I always focus on guitar mm -hmm. because of the genre. It's like, oh, I'm listening to your sing. Mm -hmm. I didn't I didn't go to the guitar. If you were like a jazz guy or a rock guy, I'd go there. And he points out the guitar. So I start watching, and Chris is really excited, thinks that you have this great, strong right hand. And as I watch, I realize you pl your right hand's like Chris. Is it? <laughs> yes. And I was watching. One reason is I used to believe, because Chris was our drummer originally. Right. And when he plays, he pivots off of his elbow. You know, like lead guitars pivot from the wrist. And I would notice that there yeah, are many. Yeah, he certainly does, yeah. That, that there are these singer drummer guys that move from their elbows yeah and bass players move from their shoulders so i thought it was a drummer thing and gradually as i started learning it might be a rhythm guitar singer thing because they're mm -hmm. counting and they're going like this and they have a regular groove and it, it it helps them meter singing you know they, mm -hmm. they know where they are where the melody is um uh meandering through the through the the rhythm and the song and and what confused what what confused the matter more is there's so many drummers come singer rhythm guitarists. Mm -hmm. uh, Chris was one of them, but then you have Dave Grohl, you know, right. you have you have Frank Zappa, uh, yeah. Paul, uh, uh, Father John Misty, uh, yeah. uh, Phil nice, Collins. Nice reference there. <laughs> well, on and on, these guys who start off with drummers end up being lead singers. There's so many of them. They, they it's like they're the catcher on the baseball field. They know right. their view. They see everything, and yeah, and they and they they'll move the second baseman over to the right or to the <laughs> left. They're like the That's director funny. and the 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 field general. Yeah, and drummers have a sense of what's going on with the melody, and and Chris certainly because they're not playing one. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but Chris used that to his advantage. Obviously, well, he was singing and drumming to eventually be, go up front to become our. You know, we had to choose: do we want to get a drummer or do we want to get a singer? To replace Chris, and, you know. right? Is that you got Matt right away, or you had uh, somebody else? Oh, we had Scott Sunquist was our oh, okay. was our drummer, and it was a guy that Chris worked with, punk rock guy. Loved the Dead Kennedys. Okay, you can be our drummer, and Chris will sing. You have that elbow thing. I'm thinking it's because you're a singer, and 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 as I listened to the guitar, as the, as Chris had had directed <laughs> me to, I noticed that. There's something rhythmic going on there. You, yeah. You're really tight, and there there are rhythmic things going on that I would then reference like Simon Garfunkel songs because that's mm. that's the, the rhythmic sophistication within the folk genre that I can easily and always right. reference. And and I knew immediately why, why why Chris took to it. It's it's the right hand which remind me of him, and has a rhythmic sensibility yeah. as a drummer. Uh, then you came over and introduced yourself as being a huge fan and as uh, being uh, yeah, that was amazing. Influenced by me, and I'm thinking, dude, your right arm is like Chris. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe your left hand is like me, but your right arm is like Chris. 
Well, I mean, it was, it was a big deal. Uh, you guys, your band was a, a big deal for me in terms of playing, like uh, being in having something to aspire to. You know, sometimes when you're a kid and you're playing guitar, you can easily just become bored with it, or you be, feel like you suck, and then well, you're if you have not a shitty guitar, better. both those things. If you will have happen. a Series Ten. <laughs> You'll be discouraged. Fire engine red guitar, yeah. Let's uh, let's make that note for any parents out there, because nowadays, pop star is certainly a career option for people, pa- parents of of our of our age. It wasn't when we were growing yeah. up. Don't get them a sh- shitty guitar <laughs> like like what B and I had. Um, it's easily you'll get discouraged. The kid can't make the chord. It hurts. Yeah. They start the wiry strings cut in your fingers, and they eventually put it down. They're not having any reward or success. Or you don't like natural selection? You're not in favor of it? <laughs> I had no other choice. I had to keep playing the <laughs> shitty guitar because there wasn't anything else to do, you know. And what, do you, what was, like, uh, what were you into when you were growing up? What, like, kept you playing? <laughs> Is that a long uh, long answer question? I, I well, like, I, I think I referenced earlier being being a little bit isolated. It was something I could, something I'd do on my own. Like reading, R&B reading, and play, stuff? Play Is that... Like stuff you're into, or it was really Beatles everything. Like, like I said, I'd, I'd hear some folk neighborhood, you know, a lot of a lot of Jackson Five and and Slide Family Stone, Temptations, um, and then Beatles. I really gravitated toward cool guitar riffs. Mm-hmm. Here's the weird thing: I didn't know that was guitar for a long time. I thought all those cool riffs were on the keyboard. Mm. Like if you watch the Brady Bunch or the Partridge Family, <laughs> there's this electric keyboard. Right. I thought electric keyboard. And my mom plays piano. That's where all those cool sound. I hear. One of the early singles I bought when I was 10 was Roundabout by Yes, or maybe yeah, I was yeah. 11. And boom, there's this cool boom, part. Boom, it's boom, a guitar boom, part, but the song is so dominated by, I guess, Rick Wakeman's keyboard that I thought even the guitar parts were keyboard parts. Mm. So I wanted to play electric piano or something. Yeah. So you're I would play to... air, air, air electric <laughs> piano for a... Fortunately, I had a lot of baseball bats and a few tennis rackets at home, so it facilitated playing air guitar. You played tennis? Uh, we had tennis rackets. <laughs> <laughs> My parents would occasionally play tennis, so we had a parking lot. So, yeah. so uh, hit against the wall. Yeah. You know, yes. Yeah. I would play catch against the wall, or I'd hit the yeah. tennis racket against the wall. I was not as accurate with the tennis racket and the tennis ball. Yeah. So I had to stop because there are windows proximal to the wall, any right. wall. <laughs> yeah, you always you're, you're gonna break a window or two if you're playing ball. We go out in the parking lot, and just kind of the way we play tennis was try to see how far we could hit it, you know? <laughs> like a baseball. Yes, <laughs> exactly. Your home run yep. swing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> When you go out here in Seattle, do you get how how bad do you get bugged? It depends where I'm going, and you yeah. never really know. Yeah. I mean, I was going to ask you a similar question. Did this, <laughs> how does it feel to not get noticed ever? Uh, people, I'm, well, if people don't recognize me, they might stare at the brown bearded guy, you know, with with some suspicion. Zigzag man. <laughs> 
that's funny. You know, ben and his buddies, some uh, Ben and some of his friends of Nirvana, back in the day when we played our first few shows, they'd come and check us out. Mm-hmm. And, and after the show, Ben and I think I think Chad was the original drummer for Nirvana, maybe Chris and some of the guys from Melvin's. Ben came up and goes, we took a vote and decided that Soundgarden's our favorite Seattle band. That was like sometime in our, our third or fourth gig. And, and their friends were like, yeah. And we took another vote and decided you're the zigzag man. <laughs> So what do you mean, zigzag man? Oh, the rolling paper. <laughs> um, well, people would stare at me, and I think, oh, they probably saw me on TV doing sure. doing almost live, or maybe MTV or some comedy routine, and that's what often happened. Yeah. People knew I played in a band, but they didn't know which band. And the the the, the common names were Pearl Jam and Nirvana, so mm-hmm. they would immediately think, well, don't you play in Nirvana or mm-hmm. Pearl Jam? I go, no. <laughs> And eventually, in the course of the conversation, while I'm trying to buy toilet paper or cat food, would would end up, you know, standing in the aisle at some grocery store with them, uh, acknowledging that they know me from this local right. TV show. But they knew I was in a rock band, but they didn't know which one. So eventually, it came to be, especially now, a lot of the, a lot of our fans have grown up; they're older. You run mm-hmm. it, it's strange. You run into someone who's gray haired, and they're. Um, my age or a little bit older, and they recognize me. I don't expect that. I expect mm-hmm. that to come kids, from some younger yeah. person who dressed all kind of rock. And I realize, oh, I, <laughs> I guess I, I guess I aged. <laughs> and and people my in my age group age as well, but they're not still rock guys. They're not wearing t-shirts and jeans. They're they wear suit jackets and ties. They have kids and a mortgage, and yeah. so they've grown up. Yeah. And I'm still, you know, nineteen or something. So. Um, but people are pretty uh, polite here. Like at a restaurant, people will notice you. Do they? Do you get it pretty bad, or is it, I, all right? it will affect my choices? I won't go to a place that's going to be rock heavy be, with a friend to go hang out because I'm not going to have a. I'm not going to have time to visit with the people I want to visit, like people who are right. in town, yeah. or with my girlfriend, or with my buddies who I haven't seen in a while. You want to have a few beers and, and joke around. And if you go to a place where you'll be recognized, and you're going to have to be interrupted every now and then and speak with people. And that's yeah. fine. Most people are really polite, especially satellites. They're, they're, yeah. they're smart and civil. I imagine they are. But every once in a while, you, you get someone who's drunk, who doesn't know or care about you, but cares that you're someone that their friends know or, or something, and they make a big deal about that. So yeah. they interrupt you anyways and make a big deal about, about <laughs> your celebrity, even though it's not... Sl- it's celebrity in general, but yeah. they don't care. They don't know, yeah. and then they make it. Then they make sure that you understand that they don't care. <laughs> I experience a hundred lovely people, yes. and then like two shitty people, and I don't remember exactly what the hundred very nice people said. I re- but I remember what the two really shitty people did. That's say. right. You don't remember all the times that yeah. you had a that you uh, um, had a pleasant sensation from eating your favorite food. You know that you like it, but for some reason, you remember that time that you put your hand on the stove, you know, or <laughs> the time you broke your hip or yeah. whatever. Yeah. Yes, pleasure is is less intense in pain and, and less frequent, yeah. and and its duration is not as in, as not as long as as pain, whether it's emotional or physical. Yeah. But that's a unfortunate axiom, but it's true. Yeah. Um, for but for some reason the intensity of of the the discomfort is is memorable. Perhaps it's it's a it's a epistemological tool for learning. <laughs> Dang, I don't even know what that word is. Epistemological. Uh, 
I'll go. I'll I'll look that up later. The the, okay. the field or study of of knowledge and how we come to learn it. You know, through your senses or reason or. I believe that's different. So maybe that's why it is. Maybe that's why we remember. You know, heartbreak and right and as you can tell, burn fingers. <laughs> Kim is a very philosophical man, uh, spewing knowledge, but not to the point of pedantry. I hope we can get back to music. Yeah, or ask me some questions. Before the mics went on, we were talking a little bit about percussion. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that stands out in a lot of your work is percussiveness. We were, mm-hmm. we were, we were referring to it, I was referring to it earlier with your, your right arm pivoting um, off, off the elbow when you, when, you, when you play guitar, a similar thing to what, what Chris does. Um, and many guitar, singer-guitarists. With the exception of Hendrix, who mm-hmm. certainly, uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but it's also in your recording and in your production, the way you arrange things, and it's a, it's a strength that it took me a while to understand about Simon and Garfunkel. I, I when I was younger, I'd think about, and it's a strange like. I love Simon and Garfunkel. I don't know if it's because. Um, I have a nostalgic affinity for it as a kid. Yeah. I think a lot of it's the percussion. Because Oh, really interesting percussion. Yeah. In Every song is framed differently by the percussion. The percussion seems to define the room you're in. It houses the uh the song. And you seem to understand that in your songwriting. Especially in the the new album. I've only listened to like, you know, four songs on the new yeah. record. There's there's more strings, by the way. It yeah. seems to be a little bit more orchestrated. But the percussion, and there's a song that had like a reggae feel on it. It was... There Goes the Neighborhood, maybe. Yeah. You listen to that, Up in Arms, Moving to Brussels. But it's, it, it's a sensibility that I think is ultimately going to take you a long way because it's, it's, it's something that's going to distinguish you from singer, guitarist, in, mm-hmm. especially in the, in the folk genre folk right. pop genre. I mean I'm I c I'm doing a folk presentation, you might say, mm-hmm. but what my background is 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 super varied. Um I like Sure. I love I the love, police, A C D C there's two rhythmically distinct bands. Yeah, I mean I love heavy I like I loved learning riffs growing up. All I did that's why you were a big it, deal to me. We have riffs and weird times in Yeah, so. Rage Against the Machine, I just love the oh, riffs. Yes, exactly. Black Sabbath riffs, um just I mean, you name it. Um, anything heavy that was heavy riffs, I was in all over, and uh, but at the same time, uh, I loved R and B and and funk music like Sly and yes, I, I and and you know Wilson Pickett and uh, you know anything with good guitar in it, and I was just all Sly about had great bass too. Yeah. Larry Graham, That's great <laughs> of course, Larry Graham, um, and I. Well, my last album was very much this Americana thing, uh, where I was playing acoustic guitar all throughout it, and and I do that when I play solo. I, I use the acoustic guitar, but I bring it, the acoustic guitar was not my first instrument. That was like uh, the electric guitar was my first instrument. So I bring an electric guitar player's sensibilities maybe to an acoustic guitar, um, and definitely the different flat style. picking because yeah, you... I mean. And, and and some alternate tunings. Well, I'd like to ask you a little bit about that in a second, but uh, but my I arrived at the singer songwriter world to the singer songwriter world at a, at a very different path. A my race and uh, my immigrant background is one thing, 
but just what I was listening to, I was an electric guitar player for uh, absolutely. I wasn't even a singer. I didn't aspire to be a singer. I was. I just wanted to play guitar as much as I could. Get as you good. Played rock bands. Or, yeah, I played in a played in a band. Series. I would s- describe as Soundgarden meets Sly and the Family Stone. Wow. <laughs> Which so it's hard to even kind of like faith the more Jane's addiction or something. Maybe, yeah, yeah. Uh not far off for we sure. You, we did Ohio Players and a Sly and the Family Stone song early in the day. I mean we recorded it. What did you them. do? As a matter of fact, on our new Thank you? Yeah, we did thank no, you. No, we did thank you, but I didn't play the guitar riff, I played the bass riff because that was the head on boat and we slowed it down and yeah. We also did FOP by the Ohio Players, and oh. that was our second oh, yeah, yeah. EP. It was a, a FOP, well, a maxi single. It was FOP. But you know, we, our new record, Echo of Miles, Scatter Tracks Across the Path, mm-hmm. colon, that's like a subtitle. It's a three-album set. Yeah, you sent me that. Yeah. We did. You sent me the link to the, to the cool. review. I haven't picked it up. But. We got the originals. A co- we have one album that's all originals, one that's all covers, and one that's oddities, like like yeah. uh, DJ remixes and, okay. and instrumentals. The covers one, yeah, we, we, we slide thank yous on that. It was something we did for a John Peel session mm-hmm. back in the late 90s. But, yeah, very influential. Um, and so it's, it's something that is, when you say Soundgarden and Meet Sly and the Family Stone, <laughs> That that's funny because in our in our early days when Hero was in the band, you were Soundgarden meets Sly in the Fist. <laughs> yes, and that a lot of that came from Hero because Hero is also a Chicago okay. boy. We both grew up in Chicago, and like I said earlier, yeah, you know, Did Chicago you radio. Yeah. yeah, so you get a lot of you know Ohio players, Jackson Five, Sign of Family Stone, other Motown stuff. That's the way we grew up. You know, yeah. Shy Lights, yeah. and so he would bring that. Oh, good. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, have you seen her? So as have a bass player, her? I have that single. Yeah. So as a bass player, Hero wants to do this. Yeah. And it's like, cool. But I'm going to have to, our version of Thank You, we refer to as Sly and the Family Sabbath. <laughs> so you're playing guitar. Yeah. So are you playing all those weird ninth chords and those chicky chicky? Yeah, I'm I'm all over. I love funk guitar. I love James Brown, um, Ohio Players, Earth, Wind, and Fire. You know, I mean. Uh, that's part of me. I love rock and roll. I love country music. I love ringing phones. So like I, I was talking about how you were uh, influential to me, just like a role model, somebody I I could look at. One of a few um, uh, South Asians on the scene of anything, music, TV, anything. Um, have you had? I've had myself just in my short career. Um, other South Asian American artists, even South Asian American, South Asian British. Uh, People come up to me and you know talk to me about how yes. I'm I'm uh, helpful to them. I don't know about a role model or whatever, but I'm not gonna blow myself up too big here. But uh, that I, I'm important to them in a way of just the visual. You know, it's it's important to see a visual. Yes, I think that's I think it's so correct. So have you had people yeah. come up to you other than me? Like the issue of <laughs> uh, yes, but it was strange for me because. Uh, 
you know, there's Ravi Shankar. And then mm-hmm. because I was a fan of like, you know, like the Build Underground, the Stooges, I was aware of a guy named Prakash John who played with Lou Reed. Oh, I didn't know him. Yeah, he, I, think was, I think he was a bass player, but Prakash John played. And I wasn't sure. Is so this guy Indian or Pakistani? But probably a British guy. I don't know. Yeah. I, that's all I know about was he played Prakash, on like, Lou, Reed, Lou Reed record. And I, I kind of thought. You just knew the name on the record. Or yeah, I, go, I go, wow. Like, there's yeah. a picture of him. I go, yeah, I didn't think it was like, you know, Devadip, Carlos Santana, or Mahavishnu, John McLaughlin. <laughs> he was just taking some kind of Indian-sounding uh, title. I thought, no, I think this guy's Indian. I think I yeah. saw the picture. But and, and I thought, I'm not, you know, I remember thinking I might, that, might, that I might be it. I mean, I might be the... So that was... In the 80s, I think I'm the only, like, rock guys like that. And then in the late 80s, we met a band from Florida called Crimson Glory, all white guys, but the drummer was was Indian, oh. and uh, and you know I'm spacing out. Look, but Crimson Glory drummer's Indian dude, long hair. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're kind of kind of 80s metalish, mm-hmm. which was interesting because it just seemed like white was an easy palette for for hairspray and spandex. <laughs> I don't. That's, it just seemed like that would look weird on on an Asian person. I get. That's what I thought then. Um, I thought, yeah, I'm a brown guy with a beard. I'm a, I, spandex is probably not likely. Then as I developed a, a bit of a beard gut, I thought, yeah, I won't. <laughs> but uh, I met him, and then there was a band called Corner Store. Corner Store? Corner Store. Somebody was just telling Corner me Box? about them. Yeah. Corner, the, the Corner Store, I believe. The singer was Indian. Somebody was just telling me about that. Really them. bright, smart lyricist. They're a British band. Was it Corner Shop? Corner Shop? Corner Shop. Yeah. But they had, I'll just agree with you with whatever you say next. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't know what what happened with them, but I remember they. I remember seeing some videos in 120 minutes, and and the guy's Indian. But here, this is cool. A band that was very influential for us. There, you know, a number of these British sort of angular kind of goth, moody. I shouldn't say gothy. I mean, Bauhaus is a little bit gothy, but um, this angular kind of. Uh, Sludge. Like bands like Wire, Joy Division, uh, Killing Joke, mm-hmm. Gang of Four. Mm-hmm. Gang of Four is definitely not gothy, but Killing Joke and Bauhaus kind of were. Uh, Killing Joke, I believe Jazz Coleman, the singer, people have told me that he's he's Indian or, or, mm. or part Indian, Jazz yeah. Coleman. Now, if this goes out there and I'm totally Wrong. incorrect, but I've been told that by other, by other people say, yeah, Jazz yeah. Coleman's Indian. Yeah. So friends have told me that. And... I didn't know that, and, yeah. and they were a band that was influential to us. He's, yeah, British guys. So, so I guess they're out there. I guess I've never seen it. I've never seen it made. I've never seen it become an issue. Although you're referred to as Sri Lankan, ethnically Sri Lankan, not a, not a Saint Louisite, but ethnically Sri Lankan, which is cool. In the early days, I would get like guitar guru. I think one one person <laughs> slamming me called me a guitar Buddha. I think, <laughs> but, but guitar guru was something early, and <laughs> that's ridiculous. I really thought of our band as having this Asian identity because of Hero and I, and well, it did have a, a, a super unknown uh, kind of solidified a sort of uh, Indian. There's some ha- yeah half yeah well yeah, that's ben, that's a riff that Ben wrote. Yeah. Chris is. In our early days, Chris wrote riffs that were sort of Eastern. I wrote riffs that were Eastern. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, Ben brought that in with uh, with Half. Uh, Hero, not so much, because he was writing stuff on, on bass. Um, but, and Matt, I mean, I don't know. He probably is interested in 
classical Indian drumming to some. He's probably aware I think so. of it. You know? Yeah, probably, probably to some degree. So what I'll say is that there are some people who made an issue of it, but but often these days it was just kind of ignored by the '90s and stuff. But in the mm-hmm. early days, there was an issue. It's like, oh, these guys, you know, they're 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 uh, they're Asian and the guitarist is Indian, mm-hmm. um, but it wasn't referenced as much. For instance, getting I would get interviews where people want to know because it, this is rock world and this particular rock world had a lot of female bands or part of our community mm-hmm. um, that we'd play with and stuff. Right. So we get interviews like, well, what do you think of this band? Oh, yeah, we love them. And, the, and, people, and, and for some reason, about the late 80s, early 90s, sexual identity in rock was really important to a number of labels and bands that right. were starting. Yeah. And we're always very supportive of that. There's no reason for us to... Being a band of outsiders has every reason to understand that kind of identity. But for some reason, people would uh, ask us about the issues relating to other outsiders and not ever ask, rarely ever asking us to acknowledge our position as an outsider. Mm-hmm. Like, you, you're like, what do you think? What do you think of, of women in rock? What do you think of gays in rock? What do you think of this black guy having to deal with? But you well, have this Asian identity. Why are you asking what what right. heroes like being a Japanese bass player in this heavy rock band or in? in mm-hmm. And they didn't do that. But I have the opposite thing. Yeah, which is which it's it's always there. It's always I'm Sri Lankan American or I'm just Sri Lankan <laughs> blues music, whatever. Which is weird. I it's, mean, occasionally you see at some Indian point, American. I hope that can fade away. But I mean, I don't know. It just is what it is. But um. But it's like, but you're it's, you're 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 American. You're yeah. born here. But they they reference the ethnicity. It's weird. It's, but sometimes it's annoying that they do that. But sometimes it's annoying that they neglect it. Yeah, it, I don't know what to do about that. I mean, it just it's a talking point, I guess you'd say. But like, if you're talking about like Key and Peel, the comedians, they don't go light skinned black comedy duo Key and Peel. They <laughs> you know they don't label him like that. Um, Aziz and Zari. He has referenced his Indianness, but he doesn't often do it. He's more likely to refer- reference rap culture and hip hop. Yeah, he. I think he uh, uh, makes a concerted effort to not do like, oh, I'm going to do my imitation of my dad right now, and then because yeah. there's like the Russell Peters. I don't know if you know. Yeah, hey, Russell Peters, Canadian. He dude, very right? much. Yeah, yeah, he yeah, very much yeah. goes for that, and Aziz Ansari, I think, kind of rejects that in some manner. He doesn't want to play that card. And Asif Manbi will reference. Yeah, his Islamic he's awesome. yeah. deal more than more than his Indian thing. He's good. He had be, this. because of what he where he's at. He's at Daily Show, so I, yeah. I suppose referencing the. Uh, he's doing some new show. Um, I heard about that. I forget called what Halal it is. in the Family. <laughs> yeah, That's Halal. hilarious. Yeah, yeah, he's a smart, funny dude. Um, uh, everyone at the Daily Show is bright. It's yeah. amazing. Um, the uh, about. Uh, you might be because you're a solo artist. As a solo artist, you're writing lyrics, you're singing, so your words matter and mm-hmm. are of import to the audience and, and where they're reviewer. coming from. And yeah, yeah. As I mean, a guitarist, I... does it matter that I'm Indian? Maybe if you hear Eastern flavor yeah. in, in some Soundgarden, maybe it matters. But otherwise, that is not my voice, and so perhaps that's why they don't mm-hmm. focus on it. But it is annoying to have someone say. What do you think of these outsiders in rock and roll? It's right. like you're talking to one. Why did you ask? You know, <laughs> and this was early on. What? Yeah, I think, on. I think I think there were, there were a few conversations where we had a very bright, you know, um, interviewers who would focus on, you know, women in rock, and I thought 
you know, we kind of come from the punk rock thing. There's a lot of lot of women punk rock bands. Mm-hmm. There aren't a whole lot of female metal bands, unless maybe the Runaways or something, mm-hmm. or Girls School. Um, so for, and it, in that time, you know, there's a lot of you know we had Babes in Toyland, the Hole, mm-hmm. and uh, a lot of cool bands coming up. But I just remember a couple interviews where I was sitting, where, where the interviewer was very concerned about their identity and they, and they wanted to under they wanted the band to somehow um <laughs> contextualize mm-hmm. and affirm th- their place in rock and i thought yeah well, why don't you ask me my place in rock i'm actually <laughs> having to deal with it i had some dude come up to me after hero left the band i had uh-huh. some somewhat some fan come up to us in florida it's all drunk and and they're, they they reference hero with a with a particular ethnic slur that made me really right. mad. Like the three letter word. Yeah, they said he said it. Or yeah, maybe yeah, the yeah. four letter word. Yeah, I think it was the three letter word. But <laughs> they said it in a way that they 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 said it in a way that, as though it were an understood way of referencing a close friend of mine, and they said. Like, I noticed that this guy isn't in the band anymore. This three-letter word guy is in the band. I, I, I grabbed him by, by, by his <laughs> collar and pulled him. I go, I go. The whole reason why any of us are here is because of him, and, and you know, and he's a good friend of mine. I don't think you should talk that way about anyone, let alone him, and let alone yeah. my face. Yeah, because like, <laughs> it, it's just those are issues, you yeah. know, people. The fact, right. the fact that we might not look good in spandex. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, obviously people don't. Um, some people are closed-minded and uh, only live in a place where they are exposed to only so much or whatever. And I understand that. I grew up in uh, suburban, in the Midwest. Sa- yeah, suburban <laughs> St. Louis, and I grew up that way. And um, that's a huge reason why I write the way I write, because I don't want more division there's plenty of division already uh what i'm trying to do in my modest way is to heal in a that's a hippy dippy way of putting it but basically somehow bring somebody together not that it's going to actually work and i'm not you know acting like my songs are super powerful in that way but um i'm trying to trick people into looking at things the other way from another angle that they wouldn't have seen before well i think that's that's a that's definitely a a, a cool and smart and and humorous thing to do. It it it, it that's fun. It's it's yeah. fun to turn things on its side and and get to deliver something in a different package. That's mm-hmm. always that's always cool. You have a. It's interesting because you have a perspective of an outsider, yet you have an experience. It seems to be so. It's uber inside. inside. Like we were saying earlier, you know, Cub Scouts, Little League, mm-hmm. rock and roll. Jeez, <laughs> you can't get more American than baseball and rock and roll. Unless, mm-hmm. hold on, were you ever into comic books? A little bit. I like uh, some uh, Batman. I like some Superman. I wasn't huge. I there's plenty of names I don't yeah. know. You know, but I, I I went through a pretty good comic book period. Uh, you know, Silver Age comics through the late '60s, early '70s. And that's another damn American thing. <laughs> like baseball, comic books, rock and roll, these are the things I naturally gravitated mm-hmm. towards and, and loved. But you're in an opportunity, you're in a great position to 
provide that outsider perspective and, and, you're, and you're doing it. But I'm trying to understand if that is something that you, especially when writing and in mm -hmm. your social experience, do you regularly have to, you know, through introspection, analyze that, that perspective, or is there any conflict in, in? No, there's never conflict. It's always kind of fun to if if I'm delving into that sort of territory, uh, the insider looking from the outside, whatever that means. But you get it. <laughs> you just said it. You understand. It's um, a real advantage. It is. Um, and I've I've said this before in to some outlets or whatever, but um, not only are my parents immigrants from Sri Lanka, but we have a pretty big extended family all over the world, yep. Australia, yep. England, Canada, exactly. Africa, and, and in Sri Lanka. And so it was never about my city or state or the country. Huh. Like, I love America, but I also love my relatives who live elsewhere, yeah. you know? And uh, to me, everybody is equal. Everybody's life is equally valuable. And some people don't seem to think that. And I am part of what I'm trying to do is trick people into realizing that that is true. <laughs> well, I think we got it. Do you think so? Yeah, I think we. we I don't spend know. the rest of the night talking. And we're gonna say, <laughs> "Damn, we should have had the mics on for that." You know, something's gonna come up over a few beers, and we'll. Oh, I'll keep. I'll record on my iPhone or something. I heard that those guys went out for beers afterwards and talked well into the night. Unfortunately, that wasn't recorded. Maybe we'll try that with them next time. Drinks are on us, fellas. The Talkhouse would like to thank our friends at KEXP in the beautiful city of Seattle for hosting and recording B and Kim's conversation. Kurt Riley, Jackson Long, and Will Myers, you rule. You know who else rules? TalkHouse Music podcast engineer and producer, Elia Einhorn. I'm TalkHouse editor-in-chief, Michael Azarad. And that's it for this edition of the TalkHouse Music podcast. For more TalkHouse Music podcasts and lots of great writing by great musicians about new music, please visit thetalkhouse.com slash music. And by all means, subscribe on iTunes. <laughs>